We ministered along the lines this past Wednesday night of uh, as it was in the days of Noah and Lot, so it'll be in the days of the Son of Man. And uh, so we, we started a little end times emphasis on Wednesday, and we're going to go ahead and uh, uh, approach it uh, differently today, but we're still going to have some end times emphasis today as well. Um, to uh, to try to shorten down the title to something that could fit on a CD, we're calling this uh, readiness for the Lord's return. Readiness for the Lord's return, but but ultimately, what 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 I've what I feel the Lord wants to communicate to us today is a, uh, um, a a checklist for us as believers. Things that the Bible makes real clear are things to look out for, be up on, be strong in, be regularly doing as we approach the day of the Lord's return. Um, and so I think that this, this checklist from the word of God today can help us to, to, shall we say, maximize our readiness for the Lord's return and for the time that is soon to come when all of us must stand before him. Amen. Why don't you go to Matthew 24 and we're going to begin there. And the first thing on your checklist would need to be this, very simple. Be alert and be on the watch. Be alert and be on the watch. Matthew chapter 24. Actually, while you're turning there, you can put a finger in Luke 21 as well. So those two openings, Matthew 24 and Luke 21. And, and as I'm sharing this with you today, I want you to realize this, that the, the intention of God's heart for you today is not that you be overwhelmed with a list of things I need to do. But I want you to understand that the heart of God is this, that, that first of all, he loves us and is merciful and gracious enough to pass on to us some real clear directions on what we can do and what we need to do to be ready. But then besides that, God Almighty is offering his own personal services to help you be ready. There's no way we can do anything on our own. I think we figured that out by now. I sure hope we have. We can't do things on our own. The very things in life that we can do right, we can do right because we've got God Almighty's help to do it right. So I want you to understand that as we approach this today, this is not an approach that is strictly up to us, independent of him. We're partnering with him. We've got our part. He's got his part. The reason why we emphasize our part of the deal sometimes is because it's not a concern whether God's going to do his or not. That's never the concern. The question is, are we going to do our side of it? But I'll tell you what, when we cooperate with him, I'll tell you, there's never a concern about whether the Lord's going to be there to help you, whether the Lord's going to do his part of the deal or not. That is never, ever a concern. Praise the Lord. Matthew 24, take a look at verse 42. As we're talking about the need to be alert and be on watch. 
Jesus said, verse 42, Matthew 24, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But you know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, Luke chapter 21, verse 34, that was the other opening I had you look at. Jesus said, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. So we see in Matthew that he's telling us that the day is coming and that the coming of the Son of Man is going to be at an hour that uh, is not expected. In Luke chapter 21, he, he gives us some warnings. He said, don't be weighed down with stuff. Unnecessary extracurricular activities of life that are taking you off your, your, uh, where your vision needs to be. Getting distracted with other things. Cares of this life. Distractions that, that get you so consumed that you be found in a place where the day would come upon you unexpectedly. That's not God's will for any of us. The scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5 that the day of the Lord for those who are part of the day. You see there's the night crowd and the day crowd because we're part of the light. We're part of the day crowd. That for those of us who are of the day that, that the day of the Lord will not come as a thief to us. But in order for that to be a reality we need to uh, stay in the light, be consistently walking in the light, and not be those who, who stray. Once, once you're right, stay right. Keep on walking right. Keep on living right. Do not allow yourself to stray and ever get in a situation where uh, uh, the, the day of the Lord would come and you not be ready. The, the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore, let us not sleep. As others do, but let us watch and be sober. So very important thing on your checklist, the idea of always being ready, always being ready and living life in a way that the Lord could return at any time. Now, another thing I want to plan on you that, that I think will be a, a great blessing to you is praying scriptural prayers that will prepare you for the Lord's coming. You might have said, well, I didn't know there was such a thing in the Bible. Oh, yes, there is. As a matter of fact, I know this. I have always been a big proponent for praying the prayers of the scriptures. Prayers out of the epistles. I mean, it's marvelous. I mean, you don't have to wonder if you're praying the right thing or not when you're praying the Bible. I mean, you, you can't pray a more right prayer than when you're praying the book itself. And... and uh, and prayer is a necessary part of preparation for the times we're living in. As a matter of fact, Peter said over in 1 Peter 4, 7 that, that the end of all things is at hand. So therefore, be serious and be watchful in your prayers. So the idea of being prayerful is, is Peter himself considered that a, a, a part of your preparation for the day of the Lord's return. Now, so some of these prayers are uh, 
Oh, pretty amazing. Now, let's see. You're in Luke. Go to Luke 21. I believe you're. Are you already there? Yes, you are. Good. You don't have to go far. Uh, Luke 21. Look at verse 36. This is something Jesus said. It's amazing how, how we can read something and miss it. Jesus said, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Talking about scriptural prayers that will prepare you for the Lord's coming. Uh, Jesus said, pray always that you'd be counted worthy to escape all these things. The, the things that he had described earlier in the chapter that are coming on the earth. And that you would stand before the Son of Man. Sounds good to me. Go to First Thessalonians real quick. First Thessalonians. And uh, th- there's two particular prayers in there that I wanted uh, you to read along with me. It- it's-, it's amazing how God's direction is so clear. That, that if you had I- any doubt about uh, how-, how to approach him or, or-, or-, or what to say or what to pray. God... God said, well, if you you don't have any idea what to do, let me give you a clue. And that's the beautiful thing of the word of God is when when you study the scriptures, when you connect the dots, everything you need to know about what to do, how to do, when to do it, it's there. I tell you, you've got the book and you've got the author of the book living inside of you. We've got an immense advantage over the enemy. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians, first of all, to chapter three, and then we'll go to chapter five. First Thessalonians three, if you take a look at verse 12, it reads as follows. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Well, I tell you what, you can take that and pray that for you. All you're doing is changing the pronouns into something that's personal. You can say, may the Lord make me increase and abound in love to one another and all, just, just as we do to you. That, that he may establish my heart blameless in holiness before my God and Father at the coming of my Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. You're personalizing it. You can pray it for others. You can pray it for yourself. But this is clearly one of the prayers that, that have to do with preparedness, readiness for the Lord's coming. Look at chapter 5, verse 23. And, and, and this uh, is uh, a beautiful, it's a prayer of commitment. You're, you're, you're committing yourself into the hands of the Lord. You're, you're giving yourself over to the hands of the Lord with the coming of the Lord Jesus in mind. Verse 23 of chapter 5 says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So you can say, may the God of peace himself sanctify me completely. And may my whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Philippians 1, 9, and 10. You can write down the reference. Philippians 1, 9, and 10. of The Apostle Paul's praying. He says this. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Once again, you see the theme of that prayer. You being preserved. You being kept. 
on the right road, on the right path until the day of Christ comes. Hallelujah. Another one for you to write down is uh, out of Jude. There's only one little chapter there. It's Jude 1 verse 24 where the scripture says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now, now how, how many of you just by reading those and hearing those can see the benefit of praying this way, especially as we see the day of the Lord approaching? My goodness, absolutely. I mean, to think that, that I, I can pray and commit myself to the one who's able to keep me from stumbling. You, you know, I, you've tried to keep yourself from stumbling. How's that working out for you? You, you, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we've tried to, to, to keep ourselves from stumbling. We can't present ourselves faultless because it's already too late. There's too many faults. He can present us faultless because he has washed us and is washing us with his own blood that removes every stain from us so that it is possible when it comes to God. It's not possible with man, but when it comes to God, it is possible for us being faultful to be presented faultless. My goodness, hallelujah. And so we, we see the value of praying these prayers of commitment as we see the day of the Lord's coming approaching. So that's another thing on your checklist. Praying the scriptural prayers that prepare you for the Lord's coming. A third thing for you. And I know I'm preaching to the choir today because y'all are here. Stay faithful in your church attendance. Why don't you open to Hebrews 10? Might as well see it for yourself. It's, it's amazing. Uh, Pastor John had come across some statistics not too long ago. That, uh, that indicated this. That, that people who went to church... Two times a month consider themselves regular attenders. Maybe there's people here today that think, I'll come half the time, I'm a regular attender. But the Bible says something very specifically about the assembling of ourselves together. And it's in relation to the time of the end, the time of the Lord's return. Hebrews 10 verse 25, it says what it says. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That means the more you get closer to the day and the more signs of the day approaching, that means you don't do it more. I mean, you don't do it less, you do it more. So much the more. Someone say, so much the more. Do you need to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as you see the day of the Lord approaching? That's very, very vital indeed. Um, go ahead over to Revelation 3. And uh, l- let me go ahead and uh, plan another one on you. That, that last one there, as far as your checklist of, of things that need to be in place and in order in preparation for the Lord's return, that last one there was uh, uh, staying faithful in your church attendance. This next one here is, uh, is as follows. Guard against the fake and hold on to what's real. Hey, somebody. Guard against the fake and hold on to what's real. 
Now, before we read uh, Revelation 3, let me read a few others to you. First of all, uh, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. Uh, you can write that reference down. It says, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy and having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So we need to be aware, and the Spirit expressly is saying this. The Spirit's saying something emphatically. And those of us with ears need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. What's he saying? He's saying something about the way it's going to be in latter times. That some will depart from the faith. Why would they depart from the faith? Because they would have given heed to deceiving spirits and to doctrines of demons. Not everything that is posed as being good is good. Not everything that is posed as being God is God. And that's why the more familiar you are with the real thing, then the easier it will be for you to tell the difference. Very simple. Let me put it to you like this. You know why there's no counterfeit $3 bills? Because there's no real ones. That's pretty simple, right? So if the enemy is going to counterfeit something, he's not going to counterfeit something that's not real because everybody could figure that out real easily. He's going to counterfeit something that is real. So look out for deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And another warning here was the idea of having your conscience seared with a hot iron. It's amazing that when people get caught up listening to the wrong stuff and listening to the wrong spirits, uh, it, it, it's like the, the, they, they get so, so seared and so hardened that, that they can have truth right in front of their faces plain in day and still not see it because they've gotten to a point where they're so seared and hardened. So if you want to stay sensitive, which is a, a huge thing you need to do and I need to do as well for us to stay sensitive to the Lord and, and, and not to allow ourselves in any way to become seared or hardened. We need to stay close to the real thing. Stay close to the real word, the real gospel, the real Holy Spirit. And when you're around the real, you'll be very much in a better position to identify what is fake when it shows up. Jesus said over in Matthew 24 that false Christ and false prophets would rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if it were possible, the very elect. Meaning the, the, the potential of even believers being deceived. Great signs and wonders. And, and, and one thing that I think is wisdom for us is we need to pay more attention to the message than the signs. Because someone might show up with some great signs and wonders, but if their message is off. See, so some people can put on a, a, a big show. I mean, hey, what's her name? She used to be doing commercials all the time. Even Miss Cleo might be right sometimes. But she wasn't operating by the right spirit. She was listening to familiar spirits. So is there supernatural thing that the devil, supernatural things that the devil can do? Absolutely there is. But I'll tell you, when you're dealing with God's supernatural, you're dealing with the super supernatural. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, I read about a, <laughs> uh, my wife and I were listening to some preaching about it today, the, uh, when Moses stood before Pharaoh and Pharaoh's magicians, they could throw some rods down and have their rods turn into a serpent as well. 
But when you operate in super supernatural, Moses' rod that turned into a serpent swallowed theirs right up. Glory to God. So, yeah, the enemy's got supernatural stuff, too. And we need, need to be aware of that and not be uh, deceived by that. But you know that you've got the advantage because the supernatural power of God is super supernatural. It's greater than and exceeds all the power of the enemy. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, what is the enemy after? Well, it's very simple. He's after your faith. What we read to you out of First Timothy was that the, the spirit was expressly saying that in the latter times some would depart from the faith because they were given heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Don't let the enemy have your faith. We're going to talk more about that here in just a moment. Revelation 3, you should be there by now. I gave you plenty of time. Ha ha. All right. Verse 11 says, behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Someone say, hold on to what you got. Hold on to what you got. See, this is a time where we need to hold on to our faith. We need to hold on to our faith. And that, that's the next thing on our checklist, the importance of maintaining strong faith. Maintaining strong faith. Because we know this, that, that, that what we see from that verse we quoted to you out of 1 Timothy 4, that uh, some would depart from the faith because they were giving heed to the deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And when is this turned up? When is this heat turned up? It's happening in the latter times, in the last days. So we, we, we're not caught off guard about this. We know that the enemy's coming for your faith. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 18, verse 8, Jesus made this statement. He said, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Which lets me know something that it's one of the things Jesus is going to be looking for when he comes. He's going to be looking for faith. That's why the enemy is coming with doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits to get people to depart from the faith. But if you stay with your faith, then you can be found by Jesus having faith when he comes. So what do you got to do? You got to do a little first Timothy chapter six, verse 12 and fight the good fight of faith. What is the good fight of faith? It's very simply this. You're fighting to stay in and the enemy's fighting to get you out of it. You must stay in faith. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. What is faith? Faith is the, the substance. The, the evidence of things not seen, the, uh, the, the uh, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, as Hebrews 11 one says. And, and uh, the, the idea of faith is very simply this. You've got more confidence in what God has said in his word than anything else going around you, anything else being said, anything that seems like, looks like, feels like. There is nothing about anything else going around you that has more authority with you than the very word of God itself. If you want to stay in faith, that's how to stay in faith. God's word, numero uno, above all else, whether it feels like it, seems like it or not. 
whether your circumstances say it's that way or not, whether the news media says it's that way or not, whether the culture of the day says it's that way or not, hold on to your faith. Why don't you go ahead and take a trip over to First Peter 1. First Peter 1, there's something there I want you to see. So the question is, how will you be found? How will you be found? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And, and we see that also referenced here in First Peter 1 as to how you are found at the time of his appearing or at the time of the, the revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ. First Peter 1 verse 7 says this, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How important it is. How will your faith be found? Well, if you stand in faith and stick with your faith, even when the fire's turned up, if the fire's turned up, guess what? You're just going through the fire and coming out as pure gold. That's all. And having done all to stand, oh, come on. I want to sing Brother Tony's song right now. Hey, you just stand. And having done all to stand, you stand. When everybody else is sitting, standing. When everybody else is sitting on the premises, you are still standing on the promises. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. And therefore, when you do that, you come through the fire and you're found your faith is found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So one other important thing on your checklist, maintain strong faith. Uh, the next thing on your checklist, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Mark eight thirty eight. Jesus said it. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. So uh, have you noticed? Have you noticed a serious turn in the way people view uh, Jesus and in the way people view Christianity overall? It's becoming less popular to be one of us. And there's going to be lots of opportunities, I can guarantee you. I, 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 I'm being prophetic, but you don't have to be prophetic to figure it out. All you got to do is be able to read. That in the days to come, you will have more and more opportunities where it will be convenient to not identify yourself with Jesus. In certain settings, culturally speaking, on the job, uh, uh, because you, you may be tempted to uh, not want to be identified as one of those people that really think that there is only one way to get to heaven. Oh, Lord, how narrow minded can you be? And so the, the pressure of the culture coming up against the basic foundations of the faith upon which we stand is increasing and increasing and increasing, which means the opportunity to back off a little bit is increasing too. Church, 
It's not time to hit the brakes. We come too far to turn back now. Someone say, pedal to the metal. Come on now. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but we are those who believe to the saving of the soul. We're not drawing back. We're not holding back. We're not going to try to uh, package our Christianity a little bit different to be less offensive. Now, I mean, you, you don't go around purposefully trying to offend people. But if who I am and whose I am offends you and you got a problem with that. Oh, well. Someone say, oh, well. Come on now. Because if we are ashamed of Jesus, he said he'd be ashamed of us in the presence of his father. I've come too far. I've walked this road too long. I'm going to be advertisement for Jesus everywhere I go. Amen. Are you ready for another real fun thing to put on your checklist? Here we go. Check to this one. Oh boy. And this has to do with preparedness for the Lord's return. We're going to see it. Treat each other right and walk in love. Mm-hmm. Treat each other right and walk in love. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's see. Where, where are you at? Where, where's the last place I had you turn? First Peter? Good. You're right next door to James. Go ahead and flip back to James chapter 5. Treat each other right and walk in love. We're going to see here that this is something that is uh, connected. The importance of this is connected to our preparedness for the Lord's return. James 5, verse 9. And uh, James wrote this. He says, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. The judge is standing at the door. He's about to walk into the courtroom. And out of the instructions that he could give so that these people would be prepared for the presence of the judge and for their standing before the judge, what advice did he give them? Don't grumble against each other. My, my, my. And that's not all. You write this down. This is Philippians 4 or 5, a certain rendering of it that I found somewhere, but unfortunately I didn't write it down. Might be the Amplified, though. Uh, It says this, let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He is coming soon. So it's interesting, once again, a connection between how you treat people and the return of the Lord. Oh, we ain't done. Now, listen to this. This is out of the contemporary English version of the Bible. Contemporary English version. This is 1 John 4, 16 and 17. Listen real good. God is love. If we keep on loving others, we will stay one in our hearts with God and he will stay one with us. If we truly love others and live as Christ did in this world, we won't be worried about the day of judgment. Hey, now. If we truly love others 
and live as Christ did in this world, we won't be worried about the day of judgment. Yeah. All right. You're in James. Go back to first Peter again. Go to first Peter four. Hallelujah. It's amazing to, to do this study and to see things that God has specifically connected to readiness for his appearing. First Peter four, verse seven. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable uh, to one another without grumbling. Once again, the connection between your love walk, how you treat people, and preparedness for the day of the Lord's return. As a matter of fact, think of the wording here. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, above all things, above all things. You think your love walk's important? Yeah. So you know what? It's time in this place today. This is your day to drop some things. To drop some things you've been carrying around. You know that person, you see their face and you get that little... Start doing that little neck exercise there, you know. Because they did you wrong. And they may have done you wrong. But I tell you, at this point here, to be ready for the day of the Lord, to be ready to stand before him, we can't afford to be messing around with stuff like that. As a matter of fact, how important is it how you treat people? Well, in Matthew 25, when, when uh, Jesus separated the sheep from the goats, the, the sheep was the crowd who treated the least of his brethren, right? So because they treated the least of his brethren, right? He said, you did the same thing to me. And the goats, the ones that were gathered to his left, were the ones who... Uh, that they did not treat the least of his brethren right. So he said, if you didn't treat them right, you didn't treat me right. So once again, emphasis, your love walk, how you treat people is so important in preparation for the day of the Lord's coming and the day that you stand before him. Amen. All right. What's next? Oh, boy. I call this judge yourselves, but don't judge others. Judge yourselves, but don't judge others. You know, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 11, which is a classic chapter dealing with the Lord's table. But, but in there, he was talking about uh, uh, some of the, the causes that, uh, well, one cause in particular why many were uh, weak and sickly and even died before they should have died. And for the very reason was they, they were not rightly discerning the Lord's body. And then Paul went on to make this statement. 
But if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And, and, and you know, that, that is just so significant to me. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. That means rather than waiting for the Lord to call you on the carpet about something, the wise thing for us to do is to call ourselves on the carpet about something. Because if we address ourselves about what needs to be fixed and we deal with it and we fix it and the Lord's help is there for us to fix it, then we're putting ourselves in a position where that is judged now and therefore does not have to be judged later. Amen. So don't wait for the Lord to call you on the carpet. Call yourself on the carpet. Judge yourself and you won't be judged. You know, Jesus also said in Matthew 7, in the first two verses of that chapter, he said, judge not that you will not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why don't you go ahead and check out James chapter 2. We're going back and forth between 1 Peter and James right now. Go to James 2. This is something I want you to see. So Jesus said in Matthew 7, like we just said, judge not that you be not judged. The way you're dealing judgment out to people is the way the judgment is going to be dealt back to you. That's good motivation for me. That's good motivation for me. Here's some further motivation. James 2, look at verse 12. It says this, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. In other words, you want the Lord to be real tough on you? You go ahead and keep on being the way you're being others. Never giving anybody a break, never showing and demonstrating any mercy. That will come back to bite you. But if you're merciful, woo, mercy triumphs over judgment. As a matter of fact, because of you being merciful... It makes things better for you on the day when you stand before him. Jesus said in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 verse 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Come on now. Hallelujah. So your choice, how you going to deal with people. But if you keep on being hard nosed with people, look out because you're sowing some seeds that you may not want to reap. All right. Go to Romans 14. Romans 14. Also want to mention this to you, just a verse that you can write down. It's 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Paul said, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. Judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the, the counsels of the hearts. It's amazing how much the word has to say about the subject. 
It's just fascinating. Romans 14. Are you ready? Here we go. But why do you judge your brother? This is verse 10. I'm sorry, verse 10. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, why? What's it there for? It's therefore because of what was just said. Because we're going to give account of himself to God, account of ourselves to God, because of that, verse 13, let us not judge one another anymore. But rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. Oh yeah, is God talking to somebody today? Is God talking to somebody today? You may look at the checklist and say, well, this is good, this is good, this is good. And you may come to one and say, oh Lord, I need help with this one. Well, the Lord's here. He's willing to help you. He's willing to help you. Because you know what? He wants you ready. He wants you ready. He, he don't want you standing before him with your hands in your pockets and, you know, looking down, not looking up. He wants you to stand before him on that day with confidence. Hallelujah. Now, the last of the things on our checklist, and this is a biggie. Live a holy life and do the right thing. Live a holy life and do the right thing. Well, let's say you're in Romans 14. Turn back one chapter to Romans 13. Romans 13, take a look at verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now it's high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Not in revelry and drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust. Not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Hallelujah. The night's far spent, the day's at hand. Therefore, because of this, what do we need to do? Cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. And then as verse 13 begins, let us walk properly. Amen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you need to go back to, now not First Peter, go back to Second Peter. Those of you that are taking notes, here's some other scriptures you can reference. First uh, Peter 1, 15 to 17. Actually, you can do 13 to 17 there. First Peter 1, 13 to 17. Colossians 3, verse 4 and 5. That's Colossians 3, verse 4 and 5. And then also Titus 2, verse 11 to 13. Titus 2, 11 to 13. And I give that to you just, uh, just for this purpose, is that this is so plastered all over the New Testament. It's one thing if God mentions something two or three times. 
But when you see a theme that comes up over and over and over again in the scripture, you need to pay extra, extra attention. Because God's not repetitive without a reason for his repetitiveness. All right, 2 Peter 3. Check out verse 10. 2 Peter 3, 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Wow. How many of you are getting the word of the Lord today? Let's see, you're in 2 Peter, uh, you're close, go, go one book over and you're in 1 John. Go to 1 John 2. First John 2, we're getting close to wrapping up here. 1 John 2, verse 28. Listen to these words. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. How can we do that? By abiding in him, staying in him, not deviating, not taking trips, staying in him, abiding in him, consistently, continually dwelling in him. Hallelujah. And by so doing, we'll have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Go over to chapter 3, verse 2, right next door to it. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope, the hope of seeing him, purifies himself just as he, Jesus, is pure. Do you see it? Now, you, you might say, Pastor Ray, that's all great and wonderful and stuff. But I, I'm feeling overloaded. I see these things that the Lord says to do to be ready. I'm not sure how good I'm doing on my checklist. Well, let me encourage you today. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 1. This is one, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 6 to 8 out of the New Living Translation. It says... This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you'll be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. Now I told you already, yeah, there's a side for us to do, but now we get to get happy about the side that God's doing for us. Hallelujah. That he is keeping you, that he is keeping you strong to the end 
so that you can be free from all blame on the day when Jesus returns. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Who's doing that? Jesus is doing that. Jesus is doing that. That's why I stay around the atmosphere where, where you're always under the word. Because what does the word do? The word sanctifies you. The word washes you. What does the word sanctify mean? It means it's setting you apart. What's it setting you apart for? Well, it goes on to say that he, Jesus, might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it's holy and without blemish. Yeah, is, is there work I'm doing? Is there work we're doing? Yeah. But it's not a work we're doing independently of him. I'll tell you, we just got a part to do. We got a part to play. It's called cooperation. But I'll tell you what, ultimately, as we're cooperating with him, it's him that is doing the work of being able to sanctify us and wash us and ultimately present the church, us, to himself. And on that presentation day, we're going to be looking good. We're going to be looking real good. Glory to God. Holy and without blemish. And without wrinkle or spot. Some of those prayers that, that we referred to in the very beginning. Especially the one in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and Jude 1.24. Those two in particular. They, they, they give us that, that sense of God's part. In our preparedness. Yeah, we've got a part. But the good news as we close today is God's got a very big part in having us ready. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you holy. Yeah, is there a work of sanctifying yourself? Yeah. But I'll tell you what, that's only in cooperation with the fact that the Lord sanctifying you. Hallelujah. And, and he's uh, able to preserve your whole spirit, soul, and body blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We referenced Jude there a minute ago. Now to him that's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So we see God being committed to sanctifying us, washing us. Keeping us along the way, knowing that day's coming. So a chance to stumble in the Lord? It's right there to keep you from stumbling. Chance to get in another mess? But he's there to keep you because he's wanting to present you faultless. You may have fallen in the fault, but he's going to wash you. He's going to cleanse you. He can absolutely eradicate that thing as far away from you as, far as, as the east is from the west. And so therefore, at that point, you're in a position... Where even though you might have faulted, you can still be presented faultless because Jesus got fault eraser. You know what I'm saying? It's called his very own blood. Hallelujah, somebody. Yeah. And does more than erase, it eradicates. But as we close today, let, let, me, let me plant this on you. This is something Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, the latter part of the verse. He said, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Listen to that again. Listen real good. This is the second half of 2 Timothy 1.12. For I know whom I have believed 
and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. What's our part? Make a commitment. Commit something to him. I'll give you a real big hint. Commit your life to him. What can he keep? He can keep what's committed to him. If you don't commit your life to him, he does not have the opportunity to keep what you've committed because you've not committed anything. Makes sense, right? But when you do commit yourself, your life to him, then you put Jesus in the position where he can keep, where he can guard your commitment, where he can keep and guard your investment, the fact that you invested yourself in him, you invested yourself in the kingdom of God, he can keep and guard that investment all the way until the big day comes. So I want to share this with you for several reasons. First of all, to let you know, Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is coming back soon. And so in the spirit of being ready for that day, what do we as believers do? And I believe what we were able to do today with God's help and just reading the Bible. It's amazing what you see when you do that. See very clear things that are connected to our readiness for that day. So that we know what we need to work on. What needs the most work? What needs the most attention? See, it's amazing. So sometimes we're given attention to things. And, and you know, there are there other subjects in the Bible? There's lots of other things in the Bible. And, and there's lots of other things to study. And there's lots of other things to get excited about. But I believe that sometimes we can, uh, we can miss things when we're not recognizing the season that we're in and not prioritizing correctly. The first thing you need to do is to be ready yourself and to see to it that, that you are doing the, those, those things on God's checklist just to, to ensure that you're staying ready. You're staying tight and right, staying strong, standing. Having done all to stand, stand. What a fitting song for today's message. And as you do that, all along the time that you're doing that, see, you never have to worry about God doing his checklist. <laughs> All we got to do is do our part and cooperate with him. You never have to worry about whether God's going to do his part or not. If you've committed yourself to him, he can keep that commitment until the day. He can keep and guard and protect the commitment until that day. He can keep you from stumbling. He can hold you up. He can guard you. He can preserve you. Imagine being preserved blameless. Say, Lord, you don't know me that well. Nobody's ever called me blameless before. And God's talking about preserving you and me. Us blameful people as blameless. And talking about us being presented as faultless when it's like, Lord, last time I checked, I was pretty faultful. But the, but the blood, when it wipes out faults, Causes us to go from faultful to faultless. This is available to you today. And I pray that if anybody's not ready, they're stirred up to get ready. 
And this is your chance today. Praise the Lord. Will you pray with me today? Father, in Jesus' name, we honor you and give you glory. Thank you, Father, for your word, how clear it is, how crystal clear it is, what you've called upon us to do, to be prepared for the day of your return.